please take your Bibles and go to the book of Galatians. Galatians chapter four. If you need a Bible in the chair in front of you, go to the back, find page 149 of that Bible, page 149. <clears throat> Galatians chapter four. We're gonna start in verse 21. Chapter four, verse 21 of Galatians to chapter five, verse one. Chapter 5, verse 1 should go, I believe, and others, with 421 through 31. So we're going to push chapter 5, verse 1 into our section as well. So Galatians 4, 21 through chapter 5, verse 1, let me read, and we'll jump in with both feet. Notice both feet. With one doesn't have a boot. You see that? Look at that. Yeah, see? Yeah, hopefully I don't fall over. <clears throat> Anyways, with both feet jumping in. Well, that's just walking in. Verse 21, tell me, you who want to be under law, do you not listen to the law? For it is written that Abraham had two sons, one by the bondwoman and one by the free woman. But the son by the bondwoman was born according to the flesh and the son by the free woman through the promise. This is allegorically speaking. For these are two covenants. One from Mount Sinai, bearing children, who are to be slaves. She is Hagar. Now this Hagar is Mount Sinai in Arabia and corresponds to the present Jerusalem, for she is in slavery with her children. But the Jerusalem above is free. She is our mother. For it is written, Rejoice, barren woman who does not bear. Break forth and shout, you who are not in labor. For more are the children of the desolate than of the one who has a husband. And you, brethren, like Isaac, are children of promise. But as at that time he was born according to the flesh, persecuted him according to the Spirit. So it is now also. But what does the Scripture say? Cast out the bondwoman and her son, for the son of the bondwoman shall not be an heir with the son of the free woman. So then, brethren, we are not children of a bondwoman, but of the free woman. Therefore, in the freedom of Christ, set us free. Stand fast and do not be subject again to a yoke of slavery. Warfare in the 1700s was definitely different than it is today. One website put it like this. Quote, Infantrymen would line up shoulder to shoulder in ranks two or three deep. You've seen movies, you've watched, you've read books, you know what this is like. Uh, two or three deep in long straight lines in the battlefield. With three ranks, by having each rank fire a volley in turn, they could keep up an almost continuous rate of fire. Infantry would generally exchange volleys and then close to bayonet range. The idea of bayonet charge would be to try to force a breach in the enemy line through which you could pour your forces through. Often, one side would purposely absorb a volley of enemy fire at close range so that they could press their charge home while the enemy was reloading. That's scary stuff. It was pertinent for an infantry to hold the line and not breach. 
commanders that we tell them, hold the line. Stand firm in that. Hold the line. Because if a breach would happen, the battle could be lost. So soldiers are told, stand firm, hold firm, stand fast. And that's exactly what Paul was telling the churches in Galatia about this gospel freedom news. Live in gospel freedom. This news is vital, so stand fast. Stand firm. Hold firm. Don't waver. I'm telling you different ways. Stand fast. Stand firm. This news is vital, so stand fast in it. Stand fast in this gospel freedom we have in Christ. Don't waver. Last week, we talked about Paul was asking the question, why do you want to go back? Why do you want to do that? And here we're seeing in this section, Paul is imploring the churches of South Galatia Stand fast in this gospel freedom. Don't waver. And remember the news. What is this gospel freedom news? We're justified by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. So stand firm in this gospel freedom. This news is vital. It's important. It's significant to everything that we are as Christians, as churches. Stand fast in this gospel freedom. And instead of starting in chapter 4, verse 21, we're actually going to start in chapter 5, verse 1. We'll start there where Paul commands him. Stand fast in freedom. Chapter 5, verse 1. New American Standard says, It was for freedom that Christ set us free. Therefore, keep standing firm. Another way to translate it is, Therefore, in the freedom Christ set us free, stand fast. So this verse summarizes all of chapter 4 as as well as it transitions us into chapter 5. So cling to this freedom, the freedom that we have in the news of the gospel. Cling to this. Stand fast in this. Stand fast in freedom. Freedom means deliverance. Deliverance from the law the curse which the law pronounced upon sinners everywhere. It's freedom from fear, from perfect obedience to the law for God's approval. You can't do it. Freedom is the purpose Christ came to give his life for sinners. We're called to stand firm in this gospel freedom, resisting all attempts, any attempts, to make ourselves subservient to law, to try to gain God's acceptance, to try to gain God's approval. Which brings nothing but a curse. Again, chapter 3, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law. Chapter 3, verse 13. So, based upon one's trust in Jesus Christ alone, a person can be free, a true son of Abraham. 
similar to the freeborn Isaac. It was promised to Abraham and Sarah by Yahweh himself. We'll look at that in a moment. So freedom is a positive state. It's fulfilling the law of Christ. We'll see that in chapter 6. So at the heart of freedom is serving God willingly, happily, freely, and it's, it's free access to the Father through Jesus himself at the cross. Access to the Father anytime. The veil has been ripped down. You can walk in. Not because of you. It's in spite of you. It's because of Jesus. Uh, we looked at that just the first hour. He made him and knew no sin to be sin on our behalf that we might be the righteousness of God in Christ. In Christ, you're credited with righteousness, the righteousness of God. You are as righteous as God himself. That's how he declares you. An amazing truth. So, stand fast in and cling to this freedom because the heavenly Jerusalem is the city of free sons and that is who you are. Live who you are. Live in this freedom. That's who you are. We'll see a little bit more of this in a moment. That's why he says keep standing firm. Persevere in the fight against re-enslavement. Stand firm in your freedom and continue to do so. Uh, Be like a tree standing strong in the midst of a storm. Be like the soldiers of old who were called to stand their ground with stout resistance. Stand fast and notice the next command. And do not be subject again to a yoke of slavery. Do not be subject again. Having been freed from the unbearable yoke of paganism, don't shoulder another yoke. Judaism, don't do that. Why go to another ritualism having just been freed from one? What do you want to do that for? Don't give in legalism. Don't give in antinomianism. Stay on the straight and narrow path of freedom. Don't listen to yourself. Preach the gospel of free grace to yourself. God should condemn you. You sinned. And what does, this, what does the accuser do? He says, you're, you're, look what you did. How could you call yourself a Christian? You say, yes, I should be condemned, but God was gracious to me in Christ who died for that sin. I turn from that, Jesus, I trust you. It's only you can save me. It's only by grace through faith in Christ alone. And that's the message. If you're here today, you don't know Jesus. You're listening to this message, you don't know Jesus. God should condemn you, but he won't because Jesus died on the cross for sinners for all those who turn from their sin and put their trust in Jesus alone. Repent and trust. God will save you. That's that's, that's the heart of what we're preaching, this grace. These Judaizers, we're calling them to go back to Judaism, to be circumcised, follow the Old Testament law, to be accepted by God, to be approved by God. It is just not enough. It's faith plus. But this is nothing but slavery. It's not gospel freedom. 
it's, as I've said before, it's a gospel, there's really no gospel at all, of enslavement. Flee for refuge to the one whose yoke is easy, his burden is light, because he became the curse for you, so you can be blessed. So keep standing firm. Don't be subject to yoke of slavery. Now, what's the role of verses 4 through 21? Excuse me, chapter 4, 21 through 31. Uh, 27, uh, 31. Well, first of all, there's actually four parts we're going to talk about this. Four different parts. First part, hear what the law really says. Hear what the law really says. Interesting, three times Paul says, it is written, it is written, it is written. In this section, 421 to 31. So, so Paul is going to turn the argument of these Judaizers He's going to turn it against them by using the law, actually Genesis, which is part of the law, to show the amazing contrast between freedom and slavery. I'll put it this way. Slavery and freedom, put it like that. This is slavery, this side's slavery, this side's freedom. Not, not in terms of the, you're not slavery over here, this section, this is not freedom. Well, maybe, maybe, no, I'm just kidding. This is slavery, this is freedom. That's how we're going to distinguish it tonight, to this, this morning, okay? That's how we're going to distinguish it. This is slavery, this is freedom. Look at what he, how he first begins, verse 21. Tell me, you who want to be under law. Do you not listen to the law? You really don't know what you're talking about, do you? Or you truly don't understand the law, do you? So he, he, he would sharpen the law-grace distinction by directing their attention to an historic story the historic story of Ishmael and Isaac, Ishmael, Isaac, shows adherence to the law is nothing but bondage and slavery versus freedom. Slavery, faith, is freedom. So he's going to make this distinction. He's going to say, this is what the law really says. This account in Genesis, this historic account between Ishmael and Isaac. Notice, this is slavery. This is freedom. Ishmael, Isaac. Uh, distinctions for you. Hagar, Sarah. Slavery, freedom. Mount Sinai or the Mosaic Covenant, the New Covenant. Present Jerusalem. Heavenly Jerusalem. Ishmael, Isaac, flesh birth, promise birth, flesh, spirit, persecutor, persecuted, cast out, heir. He presents this contrast looking at the historic story between Ishmael and Isaac. So let's continue on. Go to verse 22. For it is written. The Old Testament deals with this issue. It's relevant to the situation. Abraham had two sons, one by the bondwoman and one by the free woman. But the son by the bondwoman was according to the flesh, according to the flesh, this side, and the son by the free woman through the promise. So there's a huge contrast in redemptive history. Ishmael of the bondwoman, Isaac of the free woman. 
Are you tracking with me? Ishmael was born the natural way according to the promise, not, excuse me, not according to the promise by God's special intervening grace. Isaac was born according to God's promise given to Abraham by God's grace. Ishmael came about not only naturally but also sinfully. If you know the story, Sarah was upset. So she said to Abraham, which is a cultural thing, take my maidservant, have children through her. So Sarah took matters in her own hands, gave her maidservant to Abraham, and then Sarah had a son through her, Ishmael. So here's this contrast. Already, slavery, freedom, flash promise. Between those who depend on that which they conjure up and those who rely on God's grace. Isaac was spirit born, Ishmael was flesh born. Now look at what Paul says, verse 24. This is allegorically speaking. Now, Paul was not saying that the historic story of Ishmael and Isaac was just a story, it's an allegory, and wasn't for real. That's not what he's saying here. Under inspiration, Paul had a deep, penetrating, and profound understanding of Scripture. He revealed a greater comprehension of God's redemptive plan through this historical story. He saw the historical narrative as an analogy using a typological method. He didn't do away with the factual information of Genesis. No, he actually affirms it. And it corresponded to this issue at hand. So he expounded, explicated, interpreted, even exegeted redemptive history, seeing the climax in Jesus and his resurrection. So understand this. Biblical history is seen as embodying theology and anticipates later events as fuller manifestations of the principles in view. Now, maybe Moses had this in mind, maybe he didn't have this in mind when he wrote Genesis, but obviously God did. So you have a fuller understanding of Genesis 16 and 21 now. So notice what Paul says. Again, verse 24, this is allegorically speaking. For these are two covenants. One from Mount Sinai bearing children who are to be slaves. She is Hagar. So I want you to see this. There's two covenants. And really, two religions. Or two approaches to salvation. This sums up the debate between the world's religions and biblical Christianity. Let me put it up on the screen. There are truly only two religions in the world. Man-made and God-ordained. Law, gospel. Those who base their hope on their own works, those who base their hope on God's grace. Remember, we, we started this at the beginning of the message. This side's slavery, this side's grace, right? All the other religions of the world are slavery. This is man-made. This is God-ordained. He says, verse 25, Now this Hagar is Mount Sinai in Arabia, 
and corresponds to the present Jerusalem, for she is in slavery with her children. Sinai stood for the law. Hagar, who was a slave woman, corresponded to Sinai in Arabia. Her only children were slaves. She represented the present earthly Jerusalem. Jerusalem at that time was enslaved to Rome under law. Now understand, ancient law and custom was that the mother's status affected the son. So a slave woman couldn't give birth to a free child. Just the same. The law cannot produce free children. They're over here. The law only produces slaves. The Mosaic Covenant was not able to bring freedom from sin, but actually puts you in bondage to sin. It shows you your sin. It reveals to you your sin. It reveals to you how far short you are and that you'll never, ever make it. Hagar represented the bondage of that false gospel that the Judaizers preached to the Galatians. She represented the bondage of the law as she brought forth a slave so the law only brings forth slaves. It does not bring forth freedom. So why do you want to follow the law? See? And then that's the question. What do you want to do that for? It's just enslavement. They enslave themselves to Sinai's law and by strict obedience to its legal code, these Judaizers, thinking they could earn God's kingdom. Hagar, Mount Sinai, earthly Jerusalem, slavery. Verse 26. But the Jerusalem above is free. She is our mother. Sarah, new covenant, heavenly Jerusalem, the city of the new heavens and the new earth. As Hagar represented the earthly Jerusalem, Sarah represents the gracious nature of the free news of the promise. The heavenly city, the new Jerusalem, which will one day come down upon the earth, is the city of the living God. Maranatha, O come Lord Jesus. So here's, here's Abraham and Sarah, well beyond the age of childbearing. They're promised a son by God, and God miraculously fulfilled his promise by bringing life to Sarah's dead, barren womb. This is man-made. This is God-made, God-ordained, God's grace. God does this. So the heavenly Jerusalem becomes the mother to all of God's sons, whether you're a Jew or Gentile. How? By God's grace and his promise. That's how. One writer puts it like this, quote, those who belong to Christ belong to this Jerusalem, this realm of grace, and know the freedom that comes through Christ's redemption through, excuse me, redemption from the bondage of the law. And then he quotes here. He quotes from Isaiah 54, which we read some this morning. Verse 27, for it is written, rejoice barren woman who does not bear, break forth and shout, 
you who are not in labor, for more are the children of the desolate than of the one who has a husband. The barren woman in Isaiah was Israel in captivity. The woman bearing more children spoke about Israel's restoration. And yet there is a greater fulfillment of this passage because this not only included Jews, but also Gentiles. Those who were grafted into the promises through faith in Jesus alone. God's people be extended to the Gentiles, bringing them salvation. So when Paul says this, he, he begins in this section, here's what the law really says. Let me unfold this for you, and he does. And as he unfolds this, here's what the law really says. Here's number two. So, this is really who you are. Look at verse 28. And you, brethren, like Isaac, are children of promise. This is really who you are. Believers are not sons of God according to the flesh, but according to the promise of God's grace, his free grace given to sinners. Isaac experienced birth supernaturally, right? I mean, mean, there was no way, no way Abraham and Sarah could have children. No way. As Isaac experiences birth supernaturally, every believer experiences a supernatural birth, becoming a recipient of the promise heirs. Those who truly believe in Jesus, no matter if they are Jews or Gentiles, sons of promise. That's who you really are. If believers are children or sons of grace like Isaac, how can they submit to a principle of law that leads them right back to slavery again? You're sons of the free woman. Look at verse 31. So then, brethren, we're not children of a bondwoman, but of the free woman. All believers are sons of the free woman. You're not slaves. So there's two kinds of people in the world today. Ishmaelites who rely on law. It's slavery. Isaacites. Is that a word? I just made it up. No, sounds good. Isaacites who rely on God's free grace, freedom. There's only two kinds of people in the world. Remember to rest upon the free grace of God and the gospel. If that's who you are, you're sons of the free woman. Don't sacrifice this gospel free grace for a false gospel that enslaves its supporters. Anyone who advocates otherwise should be cast out. We'll see that in a moment. God showed you his amazing grace, his mercy in Christ Jesus at the cross. So this is really who you are. So here's what the law says. So this is really who you are, and then here's a third one. And this is what you will face. Verse 29. But as at that time, he was born according to the flesh, persecuted him who was born, that's added, but you understand, was born according to the Spirit. So it is now also. What's he saying? So Paul had in mind Genesis chapter 21. 
Verse 8 and 9, when Isaac was weaned, Abraham probably celebrated this event with a great feast. And at that time, Sarah saw Ishmael mocking Isaac. Do you remember that account? So with the focus on Isaac at that time, it wasn't on Ishmael. Ishmael probably mocked Isaac out of envy of him or or even to assure Isaac that he would not receive anything but that he, Ishmael, would get it all. So what's Paul doing? Paul likened these Judaizers to Ishmael who persecuted Isaac. Some things don't change. Judaizers attempting to destroy the news of free grace proclaimed by Paul responded to Ishmael mocking Isaac. That's what corresponds. Because what it comes down to is this. The flesh born, they hate the spirit born. Remember there's two religions in the world, right? Man-made, God ordained. The flesh born, they'll hate you. This is what you're going to face. If if you hold to this good news, living in the freedom of God's grace, you will be persecuted. They'll think you're an absolute moron that God could accept you based upon some dude dying for you. That's crazy. That's like crazy talk. Who believed that nonsense? It's foolishness to them, isn't it? And yet to the called, man, it's the power of God. This is a lot of every Christian. We'll be persecuted by those who are flesh born. By every other religion in the world. Legalistic religions are persecuting religions because they know they never endure unless its rules are kept. It will continue to keep bringing down this gospel news of grace. Uh, Notice it says here again, verse 29, according to the Spirit, that's the Holy Spirit, who inaugurated the coming of Messiah. We're in the last days now. And we wait for the final installment of the kingdom. We're of the Spirit. He's going to say soon, we're going to look at that, we we, we need to walk by the Spirit. Uh, Those who follow the law are of the flesh. Those are sons of the promise. We follow the Spirit. So, that's what the law really says. Is who we really are. We're going to face Here's the fourth one. They say there's five. I said meant the four. four. Four aspects. Number four, and this is what you must do. Chapter four, verse 30. This is what you must do. What does the scripture say? Cast out the bondwoman and her son, for the son of the bondwoman shall not be an heir with the son of the free woman. If you know the story, they're in Genesis. Sarah asked Abraham, well, told him you get that woman out of here get her out get Hagar and Ishmael out and if you look at chapter 21 verse 12 
of Genesis. Yahweh approved of that. And you're like, what? And, and in the story, you see how the Lord took care of Hagar and Ishmael. You see that. But what's, what's really going on? Paul shows us. Cast out slavery. See, interesting. The Jews interpreted this in Genesis 21 to mean that God rejects the Gentiles. Oh, well, that's convenient. Paul, under the inspiration of the Spirit, reversed and applied it to unbelieving Jews. They're excluded from the inheritance. It's not because you're a Jew. That's not why you get into the kingdom. It's not because you follow law. That's not why you get into the kingdom. It's of grace. It's of the promise. It's of the Spirit. It's faith in Jesus alone. So Judaism really is is fulfilled with Christianity. It's, It's placed in a coffin and buried forever. That's why believers, believers, you believers, we should cast out, throw out those who proclaim or embrace this or any false gospel that calls them to works-based saving faith. Get it out. Don't deal with it. Don't be part of that. Law and grace are incompatible. It must be ejected. I mean, what do you do for a football player who's in a game? He's wreaking havoc. You don't keep him in there. What do they do with him? They kick him out. He's ejected from the game. You don't keep him in. If he's wreaking havoc throughout the whole thing, they kick him out. Cast out the enslavement. Unfortunately, the church of Galatia were welcoming them in. So here you see again this contrast. Hagar, excuse me, Hagar, Ishmael, Sinai, law, mosaic, works, flesh, enslavement. But on the other side, Sarah, Isaac, the new covenant, the heavenly Jerusalem, the spirit, grace, freedom. Stand fast in and cling to this freedom because the heavenly Jerusalem is the city of free sons and that is who you are. Why go back? Why place yourself in a situation where you gotta try and get God's acceptance for salvation? You must stand fast and cling to this news of grace Do you deserve it? Absolutely not. You don't deserve it. That's why it's called grace. And that news of grace, it's vital, it's significant, it's so important. So stand fast in it. Stand fast in this gospel, the freedom that we have in Christ. You've been set free. We're justified by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. Stand fast. And let's pray that we will do that. And we stop and pray, Father, help us as believers, as followers of Jesus, 
to stand fast in this news of free grace, this gospel freedom, this news that you should condemn us as a just and holy God, and yet out of love you sent your Son, the Lord Jesus. He came, he died, he rose. We turn from sin, we trust him alone. It's only through faith by grace in Jesus Christ you credit us with your very righteousness. We're declared righteous in your sight. Let us hold fast to this truth. Hold fast to this grace. So I encourage you, take these few moments There'll be some times of silence and I'll just be picking a little bit with my guitar. So just take this time between you and the Lord. Preach the gospel to yourself. Relish in the truth of the gospel. Maybe uh, the message brought to your mind this past week how you placed yourself under enslavement. Remind yourself of grace and run back to the cross God's mercy to you at the cross in Christ. So ponder. Let your mind be filled with this truth of the gospel. Do that now, please.